Hi, this is Billy Starks, and you're wrestling to wrestling with entertainment. This is Little Mean Kathleen, and you're listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Hey, Pyromaniacs. This is the unbreakable Sean Phoenix, and you're listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Hey, guys. It's the immaculate threat, Nevaeh Chantel, and you are listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Hey, this is Gabriel Fuerza, and you're listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Hey, folks, this is the Colossal Mike Law, and you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment. Enjoy the show. Support these guys. We appreciate it very much. We'll see you at ringside. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show. It's Wrestling With Entertainment, bringing you the latest exclusive breaking news, previewing and reviewing the latest social WWE, AEW, New Japan, and everything in between every Saturday, and interviewing all the hot and up-and-coming talent on Wednesdays on YouTube and CastBox. I am, of course, your host, James J., alongside Coleco Yachts. Only 1,091 days until my actual birthday, February 29th. <laughs> Shout out to the Leap Your Babies. And Scooter Dust. But what is grief if not love persevering? And it's a great day for wrestling, because we are wrestling with the colossal Mike Law. How are you, Mike? That's, I'm doing great, man. That that by the way, awesome intro. I, I may have to hire you as my announcer. Awesome. I like the I like the bass I like the bass in your voice when you colossal the colossal Mike Law. I kind of felt like, like, like a Vince McMahon thing when that was like a colossal. It, it's really funny that uh, you say that because James is actually the uh, my better half on my podcast, the Remix, where we do live streaming commentary for pro wrestling events, pay-per-views, WWE and whatnot. So they, when you compliment him, you're complimenting me and my choice to you know, bring him on. And There you go. Proud of him. And I'm so proud to be part of this. What's coming up for Mike Law in uh, the future? I mean, it's a, a, a lot. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like to really spoil the surprises because – you know, like anything else, things are subject to change. But I will say to keep your eye on my, you know, social media platforms, whether it's, you know, at Colossal Mike Law on Twitter and Instagram, it's the same across the board, or uh, or Facebook if we're friends. If not, follow my page, Colossal Mike Law. Um, I just make it as clear and simple as everybody as I can as far as the following and, and you know, all the stuff updated on the, on the website and the um, social media. But, um, you know, uh, some cool stuff coming up with New Fear City. They're a new company running out of New York uh, in the next few months. Um, obviously, returning back to ECWA, one of my home companies, in April. Uh, I'll be facing Mr. Ulala. Uh, this, this month, uh, you know, between that, Catalyst Wrestling, a few different organizations. Um, it, it's I'm just really right now just sitting back and training, training. Uh, you know, watching a lot of wrestling, learning, you know, just kind of studying stuff and letting my body heal, you know, like, um, 
you do this often enough and, and you know, it's going to wear and tear on you. When you say uh, watching and learning um, uh, from old videotapes, have you seen um, the guy that wrestled the rock? Not Dwayne the Johnson, an actual rock. <laughs> the guy who wrestled a rock? Yes. <laughs> no, I, is this legit? Yes, 100%. <laughs> uh, a guy away. who wrestled a rock? Yeah, for 15 Psycho minutes. Psycho Mike. Psy I'm Psy Psycho Mike from Canada? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I, I did yeah. a, an impact. I did an impact trial with him. Uh, impact pro slash pro wrestling Noah. Um, I have not seen him or seen it, but uh, something tells me that after this podcast, I'll be I'll be YouTubing that. <laughs> for context, it's the uh, it's the closing moment of what is a two week long Iron Man match. <laughs> It, it, it sounds like something he would do. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, once again, uh, your social media uh, and your uh, pro wrestling tees will all be in the description of the video, both on YouTube and Castbox as well, for anybody that wants to follow you or buy a t-shirt. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's it's really one of the main things that helps a lot of us in the independence, like you know, live and do you know, and and just be able to do this thing, you know, like. You put your bodies on the line. We all do. And, um, you know, merchandise is a big part of where we make our money. And because there are no live shows, it's kind of, it's been hard. You know, it's been a lot of tapings, um, very minimal, you know, live crowds at all, if any at all. And, um, you know, yeah, I have my storefrontier.com. Just go and type in Colossal Mike Law and you get everything from hoodies to tank tops to T-shirts, long C-shirts. You have all these different great designs, including the Mr. Sparkle one. I don't know if it shows up on camera or if we're going to record that. It is um, not be all audio only. Oh, uh, <laughs> I wore I wore I wore for my merchandise for no reason. I went, <laughs> Mr. Sparkle. Mr. See, Sparkle. we need to screenshot it at least. Screenshot my man with the with the shirt, man. Yeah, yeah I will screenshot it. There you go. There you go. See, that, that's that's me and that's my barbell, who's also on social media. Uh, and that's Colossal Mike Law, and it's my ode to the Simpsons, my favorite Simpsons episode, uh, the Mr. Sparkles one. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you guys for having me again. Oh, absolutely. And you don't even have to type it in. The link will be in the description of the video below. You guys are awesome. Thank you. And uh, you uh, you mentioned it prior. Uh, you work a lot with uh, ECWA. Uh, you did a couple shots for Limitless Wrestling. Uh who we yeah. were very accustomed to here. Uh, could you maybe tell us uh, your relationship with those companies? Uh, you know, I, I enjoy... It, to me, I always have to feel that if that any company I wrestle for, whether it's Catalyst Wrestling, whether it's ECWA, uh, whether it's Limitless, good mention on that, um, great people out there in Maine, always producing some quality, uh, you know, content and individuals. Um, I have uh, even New for City coming out soon. Um, you know, with these companies, I also ha always have to feel like I'm lending some sort of value to them. And I just don't want to be one of those guys who comes in and collects a, a paycheck or, you know, collects money and, you know, in and out. You know, I, I want to work hard for what I, you know, to make sure that the fans are entertained and that they're, you know, they're seeing the best part of me. And that's yeah. just me going in there and giving it my all. So, um, 
my relationship with them has always been good. I, I don't think, you know, I can't really count on one hand how many bridges I've burned. I don't try to burn in. Do they have them? Yeah. I mean, you do this long enough and someone's bound to get pissed off at you for whatever reason, you know? So um, I just try to keep it professional and, and, you know, keep it moving, you know? Scooter, you have a question? Yeah, all right. So being both New Yorkers, you're from Ozone Park, going back to your training, one of your trainers is somebody who is very infamous on the indie seed for for his well someone call him a modern day Abdullah Sabu. Of course I'm talking about Louis Ramos, otherwise known as Low Life Louis Ramos. I know you credit uh Lathan as primary primarily the training you learned the most from Mm-hmm. That's good to say. What was it like training under Louie, who wrestles that deathmatch style? Low Life Louie is a lot. He's a a much better wrestler than people know or give him credit for. And even sometimes I have to like think, I go, why is this guy? I get why he does what he does. You know what I mean? Like, like a guy like Louie who's I mean, I look at the stuff like the the, the the bar wire dildo and stuff like that. I'm like, God damn, you know, like that's some like that to me is just like it, it, that stuff was being done in like the middle, you know, mid 2000s, early 2000s. And crazy enough, it's still being done today, you know. And uh, with Louie, I training with him, I always felt safe. You know what I mean? Back when I started in the early 2000s, um, man, you got like you got tested a lot, meaning you got in there with certain people who, you know, you're either going to earn their respect or you're going to, you know, kind of tuck your tails between your legs and, and get punked out. You know, like it just, it was a different way of weeding people out than it is today. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether it's good or bad, I don't know. You know, like that's um, for me to judge. All I'm saying is that Louis is one of the dudes that I trusted when I trained with because, you know, I, I knew that, yeah, he could have hurt me if he wanted to. Like at that time I was green and I was, a buck 20 i want to be able to do anything to him at that point anyway but he always took care of me and in a locker room sometimes that was filled with like wolves he was always like like an easy person to talk to you know what i mean like you didn't have that a lot in that era coming mm-hmm. up i i saw louis wrestle abdullah uh the butcher in 2003 for mm-hmm. uh, icw at the Elks yep. lodge uh does, company doesn't exist anymore, ran by uh, Jack Sabbath, um, and it was it, it was it was it, it was a spectacle, uh, to say the least. But when you say you know, earn the respect, somebody that comes to mind, two people that come to mind, the the Hit Squad, oh shit, yeah. Dan Dan and Monster Mac. Would those be two uh, who would fit that description? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I think with those guys, like, you need guys like that these days, too, because you need guys like that. And here's the thing, like, they're a lot more tame now. And I'm not saying this in a negative way. Like, those guys are still beasts, but they're a lot more tame. 
Yeah, they've mellowed down in terms <laughs> of like, you know, how badly you were going to get destroyed in the ring. <laughs> but there were times, <laughs> I swear to you, man, I would see that lineup sheet at the doghouse in Queens, and uh, I would see dudes walk out, man. No lie. I would see guys, like younger guys, see the, the, the run sheet, and they would look at it and go, nope, not tonight. And you would never hear from them again because, you know, those guys all had a reputation, you know, with the homicides, the low keys. Hit squad, even Lathan. I, I believe mm. Lathan was one of my primary right. trainers, but even I knew he could be a bully in there if you had to. Um, uh, not, you know, again, not if you ever looked at Lathan, the dude was six six and he was like four hundred pounds, and he could have literally like killed certain dudes. He didn't do that, and he certainly didn't do that to me. But he definitely tested you, and um, the hit squad were no different. Uh, Moth and Mac were just. They were legendary for, you know, being stiff and, you know, like, uh, it has carried over. But, again, they're, they're, they're a little bit more mellow about it. This, <laughs> you know, sometimes, although Mom sometimes, bro, I don't know, Mom, you test that dude. It, it, I don't know. I, Mop is a different animal sometimes when, you know, when he's, uh, when he's tested, which I appreciate. Well, to the story, don't test him. Yeah, I, you know, like, always be respectful. Like, I've always been one of those people where, you know, I'm, I've been around, you know, long enough, and I'm, I'm very cool and calm and everything. I'm not, I'm not one of those people to, like, really, like, like lose my cool quick. But I also know when I'm being disrespected in, in the ring or outside of it. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'll be the first one to say, like, all right, like, if that's what's going to be, then, you know, just be prepared to throw down when it comes time to, to go in there and, and, you know, it's never anything to like kill anybody. You know, I've never, I have a very good track record, but you know, you're certainly going to feel it when we're in the ring together. I'll say that. Is there maybe a story there that you're maybe not telling us that we would maybe like to hear? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I will say this every, like the general, I mean, there are times where, I think it's not so much like anyone being downright disrespectful. I think everyone handles themselves pretty well these days. Um, but I will say that, you know, you have certain mm-hmm. differences in like how things are supposed to be done business wise. And, you know, I always hold the handle oh, shit back, you know, backstage, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not, it's, it's very rare that I would ever, take li- I, I've never taken liberties with anybody, but I also feel that, you know, if somebody's going to come at me a certain way, I'm going to defend myself. Like that's Absolutely. just the way we were, were brought up. Yeah. And then it's also to the point where now maybe you're encountering some talent who are a little bit resentful that they haven't, broken out or haven't gotten the big break they believe they're entitled to mm-hmm. um, making them all that more rougher and I have a certain experience a, a similar story where uh, Stockade and I've told the story a thousand times uh, okay. we were we worked a training match and he told me he was gonna tombstone me and at the, by this point Stockade hated me i knew it he spread rumors about me um really terrible terrible rumors he wanted me to take a tombstone 
-hmm. And I'm really lucky uh, because nobody told me to tuck my head. Wow. And I I almost ended up uh, with a with a broken neck, and that kind of disillusioned me a bit from you know getting back in the ring. Some other issues would prevent me from getting back and resuming training, which is why I stuck to ring announcing. But yeah, that's it's a it's a very um, very interesting comparison between an independent talent from 18 some odd years ago to now to see that evolution of how their style has changed and adapted. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason at this point that you hit as something I always tell everybody, man, like we're all international. If you think about it, like this podcast and you know, whether it's going to be seen on YouTube or heard on SoundCloud or anything like that, like, like I've had people purchase my wrestling gear uh, from like Germany, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. What they do with it, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, like <laughs> I've had people purchase merchandise and my wrestling gear from other parts of the country, outside of the country. And I've only wrestled in the Dominican Republic and in Canada. That's my only – I was supposed to go to Mexico, unfortunately, before the pandemic. But other than that, like, that's my only international experience so far – but the fact that people are purchasing merchandise or purchasing, you know, gear that I, don't, I no longer use, you know, like, and, and from different countries, it, it's, that's always been an interesting aspect. And I, that's one thing I don't ever get, like being bitter about like, dude, you, we all knew what we're getting ourselves into, you know, like you, like this, especially now you have more opportunity to make a name for yourself than you ever have. Maybe not so much in the early 2000s and the 90s, you know, you, you had to send your VHS tape. If yeah. you people know what that means out there, because it's a it's a fucking VHS VHS tape. I can't even that pronounce. Them blockbuster tapes. I know exactly. Oh my god, Betamax. Yeah, so that's how you got it. Betamax. Oh my god. Okay, so I'm, I'm all right. So I don't feel so VHS. <laughs> Coleco and I are the 36. I'm 36. Those 34 ish. Seven. There you go. I Oh, he's older than me now. Okay, all right. I mean, thirty-seven. <laughs> but if you really want to go, be still be the oldest. I'm a leap year baby, so technically I'm nine. I'll let you have it, bro. <laughs> I, I would go with that story. That, that works. And Kalika, do you have a question? Yeah, because actually, I wanted to tie it into the to the to your. First of all, I want to thank you for coming. I, I truly appreciate it. And tying into what you were just saying, I feel like it's like you have a loyalty and an endurance that that most don't have. And and I just want you to elaborate on that, like the endurance part, because you being in the game for so long and pretty much making your own way. Yeah. Like you don't, you know, people can get frustrated. And I know you've had your issue. You know, you had a point where you gave up in the game. But but. But I just want you to expand on that because I feel like you you're in a sense you show more loyalty to the business than 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 anyone that I've seen. And I, and I, and I mean that in the most sincere way. It's like you're like the modern day Frank Sinatra. I was just talking to the guys like you're kind of like the independent Jericho. You've been everywhere. You've done it all. 
And and just elaborate on the endurance part and the differences of the loyalty to the business from from two thousands to now. Uh, no, great question, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate the compliment as well. Uh, certainly uh, appreciate Chris Jericho, who is one of the people I kind of model myself after in terms of the mentality when it comes to switching things up, but also like in-ring stuff. So I'm a huge Jericho fan, along with Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's because I, I, there was a time in the I'll agree with you, man, where I was frustrated because, you know, I would see certain people get opportunities. And I'm like, well, I'm out here working my ass off, man. I'm not going to, you know, make any bones about it. You know, I'm out here doing what I got to do, promoting, you know, what I got to do. Just being <clears throat> – like a good soldier, right? And like I would see dudes break the rules, like not, you know, like a lot of like nonsensical bullshit, but that's just not gonna even worth getting into. But I, I would look at that and go, all right, well, what's going on here, man? Like I've been trained to, to do this, to talk like this, to, you know, just be a workhorse and then it's just nothing's coming along. But then I had to realize, according, you know, my brother, my younger brother, who's an official a referee, um, like, yeah, man, you just gotta, you gotta put this, like, you gotta put yourself out there. You gotta do the vignettes. You gotta do promos. You gotta put the marketing. You gotta make the t-shirts. You know, you have to kind of be your own business. And that's what you are, bro. You're a, your own business. And, um, you know, I had a lot of stop and starts, like with wrestling. You know, I, I started training 98. My first pro match was in 2001. Um, I would wrestle in Pittsburgh, West Virginia, Ohio a lot, places like that. I stopped wrestling in 2011, started promoting for this company called FWE. That was awesome. Uh, I learned a, dude, I got, I got to, you know, you, you talk about like sharing locker rooms or being in locker rooms with guys like, you know, whether it's Carlito or Tommy Dreamer or the Young Bucks, you know, um, yeah, Chris Masters, like a who's who of people passed through that 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 locker room and I got to interact and work with them do conventions that was cool you know being able to be a promoter and booking and helping book that company uh, was a very cool part of my career and it was a big learning part uh once they went out of business in 2015 I kind of felt like well what do I do now you know I mean I still I still have a lot of love for the wrestling business and um I just started to take more bookings as a wrestler again and uh, here we are now, you know, 2021. And um, I, I, I think a lot of it is my mentality that I'm, uh, no matter what happens, whether I go to New Japan, WWE, NXT, AEW, Impact, wherever, Impact, NWA, um, it's all on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, I'm just going to put as much good content and product out there as I can. And if nothing happens it wasn't going to be because I didn't do my part. You know what I'm saying? Too many people right. expect a fucking handout today. And I, mm-hmm. I, I don't get that. I don't, I don't expect anyone to hand me anything. Like that's the way I was raised and born into the business. You earned everything. So that's just my mentality, man. I'm going to give you my absolute best. And if I, if things don't fall into place, I'll at least leave something for people to be like, Oh, all right. This fucking guy was good. He was entertaining. You know, like, I can dig his style. I can dig his his deal with a huge ass barbell, you know, which needs repairs. If any of you guys know anyone who can repair got a huge ass barbell, give me a ring after this. I I destroyed the fucking thing. 
<laughs> I, that's a great answer. I just wanted to follow because I feel like when you did have that 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 break, uh, do you feel that it gave you a, a certain perspective outside the business that you know that you couldn't get if you had to just kept plowing through? You know, because um, like you know, sometimes when you look at it from from a tunnel vision, you just see this one thing. But once you step outside, you're like, oh, you see this, you see the the pieces. You know, like you see the field. A lot better. Yeah. From, I, I I'll say this. I like merchandise wise, man. Like, and I said this in another podcast. I learned a lot from Sanjay Dutt, um, Young Bucks, and um, and Cole Cabana because they always had like tons of merch, man. And I would see them walk in with their boxes merch, and I mean they were just making you know hand you know fist over dollar, like just making all this money, like on top of their booking. And I that just said to you know kind of something I learned as far as being a wrestler these days is that you have to make your own opportunities and you have to make your money in different ways. It's no longer, you know, like the eighties, you know, where people in the Indies were making a, a pretty good amount of money. I mean, obviously there are people who made shit money who made nothing, you know, like that's always been the case, but then there's, you know, learning that helped put that into perspective as far as being a wrestler um, I, I was stupid. <laughs> I'll say it. I was stupid because I should never have taken myself off those FW shows. I should have worked my ass off, been a part of those shows as a in-ring competitor. I did, I did, I think three shows in 2011, then had a match that was the utter shits. Uh, it was myself and this guy, Hawaii Allen versus deranged. And this guy, Boris Naboka. And the match was abysmal. In fact, it was so bad that it's literally, you can't, you can't see anywhere. They took it off every platform. They took it off of every YouTube. Like, it's not, you won't ever, unless somebody put, like, pirated, which I don't know why you do such a thing, you'll never see that match anywhere. Um, thank goodness. Uh, it was, it was pretty terrible. And after that, I was like, fuck it. I'm, I'm just going to stick to promoting. I'm going to help people out and, you know, hopefully push people to the next level. Um, the problem with that is, like anything else, you have a bunch of ungrateful people sometimes. And I'm not talking about the people that were already going to be, a, you know, a big deal anywhere. I'm talking about certain people that were people that I was pushing for that, uh, you know, just either never made anything out of the opportunity or – just weren't ever really grateful for the opportunity to begin with. Right. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned being a promoter of football that time. Uh, and now obviously you're kind of back in the ring uh, being the wrestler. Um, is being a promoter uh, something you would like to pursue maybe after an in-ring career or maybe during? Or do you have any desires I, you know, for doing that again? No, good question, James. I, you know, I would never put it out of the realm of possibility. Um, I did promote a few shows after FW went out of business in 2015. Uh, one, which I took a fucking beating. Like, I'm talking about, like, huge, like, setback. And it's just something that was out of my control at the time. You know, the fire marshal showed up. They shut the thing down. And I had to reschedule and relocate the, the building, like, the, the week of the show. Um, yeah. I remember getting the call. I was in my office. I was getting a call from the building that we were supposed to run the company, the show in 
that Monday and they go, you got to get down here right now. The marshal showed up with the flyer. Cause I, you know, we went out there to promote and they, and, um, we call it a, um, a form saying that they were shutting the show down. And that if, uh, if I did run the show, I remember the lady from the, um, from the board, the, the chair, oh, I guess she was, she was chairman, but she was, uh, the, she was part of the committee for the town. And I remember telling her, she goes, you know, you're not going to run this show. And I go, well, we have to. She goes, you, you can reschedule it. And then when we meet, you can, you know, you can fill out for a permit. Cause they, they just, it was just, all they wanted was to get their hands greased, short and simple. They wanted to get their hands greased. I wasn't going to do it. I said, we must run this show. She goes, and I kid you not, she goes, you run this show on Saturday. We will have the police there. We're going to shut the show down. We're going to have you arrested. And I like, so help me God, I've never had so much angst in my life. <laughs> like the way she said it, I go, I, like I was powerless. Like I had nothing. Like I had nothing on my sleeve to be like, you know, if you do this, then, you know, I'll do, you know, I'll do that. Um, I didn't realize that they were under their own regulations. It was a, um, you know, just a, they're, they're separate. They're, they're incorporated. They're like a village, incorporated village. They had a whole bunch of bullshit yeah. that I couldn't yeah. deal with. But uh, I that was your ultimate the like the police moment. <laughs> Bro, I, and it wasn't even the police. Like, I have family. Like, that was just, like, some government, like, mm-hmm. local yeah. government, grease up people's hands bullshit, right. you know, right. that really was unnecessary. Like I said, listen, New York State, you're saying that pro wrestling is a performance. And this is the bullshit of it all when it comes to political stuff, Right. They say it's a performance. I needed a performance. Um, I needed something in writing from them saying that they were approving this performance art or whatever, because they consider professional wrestling a performance. So I go, okay, well, how come the New York State Athletic Commission considers us a pro, like they consider pro wrestling a sport alongside boxing and MMA, because we're governed by the state of New York under the New York State Athletic Commission. So what, what, which one is it? And she couldn't answer me that. Like, it was frustrating because that, that was the only thing I had was like, okay, well, the state of New York says that we're an athletic contest because the New York State Athletic Commission is, you know, commissions over the pro wrestling industry in New York. It's a, it's a cash grab. We all know that. But then when she, she's like, well, we here in this incorporated village consider this a, um, a performance and you don't have a performance permit. I go, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I was like, whatever, man. Is it you know? because, and I lost a lot. Is it because there Damn. was uh, a barbed wire dildo match on the card? <laughs> there will be no barbed wire dildo match. <laughs> I, I, I listen, I love, I love Louie, man. Uh, I hope he knows that. I know we haven't really seen or, you know, contact each other for a long time. But, um, you know, he's a guy that I kind of like if he I don't even know, like if it, like he has his niche audience of people who want to see him do that. But I would love to see for people to see the kind of wrestler he could be when he just wrestles. You know, I, I get it why he does what he does. It's his that's his niche. That's what he does. I, I respect it. Um, but uh, as far as running a company. Absolutely. I, I would never say never. I, I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed getting sponsors on board. I enjoyed like 
you know, budgeting stuff. It's all that shit is like, I love the, the idea of like, you know, helping uh, people elevate themselves, like taking a, somebody who isn't very like, who's kind of green and help building them up into something, you know, reputable. Those are, those are like little cool things that I like to do. Yeah. Tell us about wrestling in the pandemic era of pro wrestling and maybe how you approach a match differently knowing there's like no crowd. Man, it's, I, and people will agree and disagree with this. I, wrestling is one of the things you need a crowd for, man. We feed oh, off the emotion that, you know, and listen, I, obviously we've all done these tapings and we've done these, um, you know, type of matches with no fans. I, I I think that the wrestling business is it's all about emotion, right? Like I know everyone says, "Oh, it's about the moves and all these crazy." Yes, you know I get it. It stylistically has changed, but I think the meat and potatoes of what we do is getting people to kind of forego their belief to kind of be like, "Yo, what is this legit? What's going on here?" Like that gray area, you know what I mean? Like people don't know whether something's supposed to happen or not, and um, we feed off the crowd, you know. I for me, it was tough. I don't want to sound like weird, but it's tough to, it was tough, not impossible to get up for these kind of things, like these tapings. But, you know, once you warm up and you, you know, you're in there for a few minutes, you slap yourself in the face, like, all right, let's, let's fucking do this. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna like, now it's like, I'm not slowing down. I'm like speeding up now. I'm gonna, you know, go full throttle. But um, I think for me personally, what sucked the most is not having merch sales, man. You know, like, yeah, that's like our, that's our side income. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't make any bones about it. That's how I've helped make some, you know, some decent money on my end. And it's the support of the fans like that. Like people, when they, people are, as far as I'm concerned, cause I don't have like, I'm not like an internet darling, which is perfectly fine. A lot of people buy my merch for me directly. Meaning like they'll see me at a show at a merch table and they'll buy two or three shirts they'll buy uh fanny packs or whatever else you know whereas now it's like you know i have to rely on online sales and you know that's it, it it's like night and day it's a bit of a learning curve yeah yeah i mean as far as wrestling you know like it, I, I again i feed off the crowd a lot um some people don't like they just they know how to go from maneuver to maneuver and then it's like kind of like they don't really see a crowd out there sometimes um that might be normal for them but for me like i love the idea of like you know the fans interacting with them and making them take him on that roller coaster ride scooter you have a question well as uh we said before we uh it started. I myself am a student of the NYWC, Mikey Whipwreck, uh, Shane, and John Curse. I'm gonna run off a list of names because I've I've noticed something very interesting in in terms of your career on Long Island. You played Nikki Adams, who I literally started with my first day. We were it was me, my fiance, and Nikki as three. The three students the NYWC first got when they started taking students again when they, uh, when they brought uh, Pat Buck in in 2010 and whatnot. But Nikki Adams, Manny Martinez, Jack Gallo, 
Ryan Galeon, Blake Morris, Rex Lawless, Azriel. By the way, we had I did find the match uh, with you in Hawaii. Uh, oh, was, oh, please don't don't <laughs> listen. Report it. Report it to whoever you have to report it, sir. He getting blackmailed on the, on the <laughs> yeah, show, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I, feel, I feel like I'm. I, yeah, yeah, dude. I, I I had no control over that fucking thing. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> I, thing, I, I am washing my hands off of that one. The interesting thing I have noticed is that you work for almost every company that's existed in Long Island. BPW, FTW, uh, FWE, as you mentioned. Yeah. And, and you've wrestled in the NYWC Sportatorium. But you've never officially, as far as I could research, no. been a part of an NYWC card. Is there a specific reason for that? Um, I think in the early, like in 2010, stuff like that, there was a distinct, you know, when, actually when you were coming in, I, you may have seen this, there was like a distinct like thing about NYWC not using talents that weren't part of the, the, the school, which... I totally respect. Uh, I know a house of glory kind of has like that, that kind of mentality. And, yep. and, and I, I think it worked for them. You know what I mean? And I, it, it's funny because from the outside looking in, I always heard things about NYWC that oh. look, they'll get it twisted. Like at this point, I'm, I mean, I'm really cool with Shane and, you know, I've always been cool with curse, you know, like they, NYWC was a offshoot of Critical Mass Wrestling, which started out years ago. Uh, like they were a group of guys from the LIWF Doghouse that just wanted to do their own thing. With Brimstone, so, yeah, with Brimstone and uh, Chris Hostile and uh, Mike Mayhem. Mike Mayhem was also trained by one of the guys who originally trained me as well. Um, not late on uh, this guy Carl Morales. Anyway, so. They had this kind of thing, like they were very territorial. They were very segmented. They were like they were just they did their own thing. They didn't really work with anyone outside of the NYWC school, yep. and that was a man. And that was like a VP. I helped start VPW. That was one of the things that people aren't well aware aware of is that myself, Donnie Bon Jovi, and um and my buddy Richie Tyler. Um, we helped start that that place. You know, we helped start VPW. I would help promote and everything. And we finally, you know, started running shows to help the students out to get in front of, well, you know, they were family and friends, but just to get in front of people and wrestle in front of people and get comfortable with that. Um, I think that didn't look good. You know, I, I remember there was like times where NYWC would be running 10 minutes away from Deer Park yeah. Community Center. And then VPW would be running at the community center yeah. once – that was, you know, done. And then FTW was running like, they were all running literally the same night, the same hours, 10 minutes apart. And they're all, they were all doing well. They were all doing well. Um, I'd love to see Long Island get back to it in terms of the Indies, the way it, were, it was in terms of the crowds. It hasn't been like that in a long time. And, yeah. you know, it's unfortunate. The, the scene kind of died out here. But I see NYWC still doing some stuff, so that's cool. Um, DPW is under new owners, which is after the previous debacle, uh, the middle owner, who was almost completely clueless. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it's, it's good to see that someone with a good head has taken over that. Um, there's room to grow, but um, 
as far as NYWC, man, I'm cool with Shane. I'm cool with them. I've wrestled in the uh, the fabled, uh, you know, sportatorium. Never That's for true. NYWC directly. It's all good. I never, you know, it, it's never been a a personal thing. I like. I, I've also learned to realize that I'm not everyone's, you know, cup, cup of, of tea, tea, man. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and be like. I, do I think I'm fucking good? Yeah, I'm, I'm fucking good, dude. I'm fucking great. I work my ass off. And you know what, man? If you hire me, you'll get, like, everything from, like, social media to, like, promos to interviews to vignettes, you know, to the actual in-ring stuff. I always conduct myself in a professional manner. I pride myself on that. Um, but if, you know, a company doesn't want me for whatever reason, I've learned to, like, be like, you know what, man? It just is it, It's not a match. And I think... Going back to a previous question, um, that's another thing. A lot of people in wrestling today uh, can't really take rejection very, very well, which it sucks. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, it sucks when you, you send a message to somebody and you could tell they read it and they're like, oh, well, not even a no? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, God. You know what I'm saying? Like, I try to always get yeah. back to people when I was promoting, when I could. I was always – or at least we had somebody. It was, if it wasn't me, it was going to be one of the other guys. Um, but I understand, you know what I mean? Like everyone's busy and I understand that, you know, you can't possibly reply to every single message. It's, it's, hmm. it, it becomes overbearing after a while. And, um, you know, you've got to be persistent, I guess. And just a follow up on that. You were part of something with a, another, uh, former NYWC student slash talent. I can't remember if he came in when I started. Chris Ruiz, and you were part of something called the Wrestler's Laboratory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along with uh, Ryan Galeone, Ryan Rush as I know him, uh, along with a number of other talent. I, you said you were kind of promoting at the time. This is around 2016. How... M- how did the idea for the wrestlers laboratory come about and did you have a a hand in bringing it together like you did vpw along with uh chris ruiz um i I will say it was mike sweeney and chris ruiz um i was just scheduled for their first event i mean listen i'll always give people my suggestions you know and i'll always if you ask me, I'm always going to be open to telling, hey, you can do this. This is what you should do. This is just my suggestion for someone who's, you know, I'm not saying I made millions. I've certainly lost money, but I've made some money in wrestling, and I'm happy about that. Uh, and those guys, you know, like whether people are going to actually do what I tell them or, or, or suggest, that's on them, man. I'm not going to force anyone to do anything that they're not, they're not either comfortable with or they don't want to do to begin with, you know, and – um, right. With Wrestler's Lab, I wrestled Ryan Galeone and Steve Scott. Steve Scott had to get every move he knows in there. <laughs> Steve Scott is a great dude, and I'm so happy he's back. He looks amazing. Ryan Galeone, we always argue about this when we see each other. Mm-hmm. Ryan Galeone, like, is a powerful motherfucker. Like, that oh, dude is so strong. You and on that. <laughs> I, he went for a gut-wrench powerbomb, and either – the, the debate between him and I is that I try to block him from doing it. And, and he said that my arm got stuck between his legs. But, dude, he literally, like, 
like jackknifed me in one of the. It looked brutal. The power bomb looked like death, and it was the finish. And, and I, how could it not be? It was like, you know, it was it was devastating. But um, I always say it was me trying to block him. He's saying that my arm got stuck between his legs when he went for the uh, gut wrench power bomb. But either way, hey, either way, <laughs> it was he got what he wanted. So you know, there you go. Yeah, you um, yeah. But Wrestler's Lab was, you know, uh, I, I won't take any credit for for any of it because it was, I would just, my brother and I would always suggest ideas in terms of here's what you should do to promote, here's what you can do to get a crowd, you know, here's what you do to get sponsors, you know, um, have meetings, you know, like I'm a big proponent of like promoters getting the whole crew before the show and be like, all right, this is what we're doing. This is what we need. This is the breakdown of the matches. These are the times. This is what we, you know, like all this stuff, you know, is important to communicate with your roster. And, you know, and it's, I've done it for other people who've asked. I don't ever try to throw my two cents in unless someone's asked. And whether they choose to do it or not, unfortunately, you know, like, what's the saying about leading a camel to water? <laughs> You could lead. You could lead a horse to water. There you go. Make a drink. You could lead. Can't a horse make that motherfucker drink it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, it's a camel horse, depending on who you ask. You you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You could lead a horse to culture, but you can't make her think. I, I, listen, I am thirty. I'm thirty eight years old. I have never heard that one. I and, know what the. <laughs> that's an old um, like Flyers Club uh, joke. Ah. But uh, speaking <laughs> on uh, Ryan Galeon, tough son of a bitch. I love the guy. Uh, little short story. Uh, we went up to a show in Camp Tioga in Binghamton. It was me, Ryan, and uh, Alex Reynolds in the back. Uh, okay. And now I'm I'm tiny. I am tiny. I'm five four. Uh, and I'm the ring announcer. And at the time, I had the hugest car. And Ryan still had to sit with his like head between his legs. <laughs> I mean, but uh, sweetest guy, him and his father, great, great, great people. No, Ryan's good people, man. Very insanely athletic. Um, uh, almost shocking you don't see him off as often as as you should. He's a very talented guy. Kalika, you have a question. Yeah, actually, I had a quick question. It dealt with in part of being in the promotion and being in the business. And the one thing that most independent scenes, it kind of gets tribal. And the one thing that I noticed that you said was missing was rivalries in in the business, in the independent business. Um, It made me think, what is one? Have you ever had a rivalry? Because me being from Memphis, I'm used to a lot of Texas, Memphis, Tennessee rivalries because the, the, the promotions pretty much kind of like interlock with each other. So they could kind of piecemeal each person in and out and have them come back, go, go and come back as they please, but they pick up where they left off. Do you feel like that's a lost art in the business? And who is your biggest rival? I, I, I completely agree, to be honest with you, Kelly. So I think it's one of those things where, um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's tough because, when you have, like, an independence, you never know who's going to get injured, who's going to get signed, you know, who's going to, like, have a fallout with the promoter for whatever reason. And so, like, 
I get why promoters don't invest in the idea of doing long-term storylines and feuds because, you know, so much stuff happens. Injuries, like we, you know, spoke about. Um, right. I would say for me, like Joey Ace comes to mind. You know, I know everyone here's probably seen the infamous uh, uh, suicide dive. Uh, at the ECWA event, that you know, landed yeah. through a chair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, like that—that that, that was that—that that was good times. I don't know what's a bigger feud, me against Joey or me against that chair. Um, <laughs> we uh, uh, we ended up. I would say that's a good, you know, that's a good example. You know what I mean? Of of two people who just you don't know. I still like the fact that people debate it and still don't know, and I'll never tell uh, whether <laughs> that was supposed to happen or not. So good on you, you know. Like I'll never let anyone know unless you know. Like it just doesn't. There's no reason we we keep that gray area for that purpose. Um, I'd say Joey Ace uh, had a little good thing with Darius Carter uh, before the plug was pulled on that. Um, it's just you know, it. I don't get it sometimes. I don't. I don't. You know. I think. If you have your mainstays, I always preach to promoters, have your mainstays, right? That's your 10 to 12 talents, male, female, that you're going to build the company around. And then mm -hmm. from there, you have, you know, you have your good, like, 8 to 10 talents that you bring in, like, once in a while. They're, like, steady talent, like, great workers, you know, guys who can, you know, you can bring in and people are gonna be like, oh, I love watching that guy. And then you bring one or two names. You know what I mean? That's how you build the organization, but it, there's just so much like, oh, we're going to do this feud. And then it, and in a month in, it's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's ADHD that people have these days, like oh. a, a lack of attention that people have yeah. to like feuds, but I think it's missing. I think a lot of storylines are missing. I think the more you concentrate on storylines as opposed to like, oh, these dream matches, which after a while, they're not dream matches. They're just putting good wrestler A versus good wrestler B. Um, right. A dream match, even back when it was supposed to be, was like the build of two fucking like crazy talented wrestlers or, or monsters or killers. And you eventually put them in there against each other to see who was the better wrestler, right? That was like the idea behind that. But then nowadays, it's like there's not a focus on that. Like I, I, I tell people it's like a comic book. I was invested in Marvel and in X-Men because, especially Wolverine, because, F, you know, by, you know, the third or fourth um, uh, comic, I was already invested in, into, you know, to this persona. And then I would purchase the next month to see what was going to happen. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the idea you should have with storylines in with building wrestling now is like, all right, give the people a reason to come back, like leave them on a cliffhanger. You don't have to, for lack of a better term, blow your load on one show. I feel some people, I really feel some people don't think they're going to make it to a second show. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. With yeah. that, like a thousand and ten percent. Because I feel like part of it is because of the social media, because everything is in 15 seconds and delayed and instant gratification if you want like instant yeah. oatmeal so i feel you on that part but i also feel like when it comes to dream matches i i feel like the why is missing like the one thing the one thing you could say for better or for worse with like with you like a, a uswa did they have the best talent you know that that eventually blew up no but 
the stories and and the why is what got people invested into watching that that next Saturday. And I feel like that in the indie scene, yeah, it it does like you said, it does get those dream matches. But why are they having that match? What's the reason for it? There's a reason that it has to go to fisticuffs, other than the fact that it's good wrestler A or good wrestler B. I, dude, I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. <laughs> like, like you, you, nailed, you nailed it as good as I would have. Now, uh, you were World 1 champion for one day. Is that correct? <laughs> Are we going to bring that up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> man, uh, this better not end this whole thing. We've got to end on a high note. Oh, no, um, absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, way more to go. <laughs> so we, yeah, so what happened with that was, okay, so World One was purchased by ECWA. So ECWA was owned by this guy named Mike Tagaglia. He did a terrible job. Um, so this guy, other, I guess like two or three other guys bought ECWA from him. And then they were the original owners of World One, so they bought World One. So they were all just going to be commingled. So rather than be two separate promotions, they decided to have a unification match. And they I did the won the right. I won the World One title earlier in the night, and then Joy Ace and I originally was for the ECWA title itself. They made it a unification match so that way. They, you know, it was now all going to be under ECWA. You know, it's not going to be World One, and it's just going to be one company. And, um, you know, the aforementioned uh, suicide, suicide dive, <laughs> which, you know, I, I always came close to, you know, to the actual suicide part. Um, I, I'll say this, like, and then, and, and, you know, looking back at that match and everything, I go, that's what it was all for. You know what I mean? Like I knew that this was going to be something that people were going to talk about. Not only just that, but just the match, because I knew it was like history making world one, the title, the champions that have held world one, the world one title guys like Masada Tanaka, Steve Carino, you know, just an example of some of the names that held that thing. It had a good lineage to it. You know what I mean? There were Pete, Ricky Reyes, I believe as well. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm in the same lineage as those guys. So I have to like really represent and really go all out. Plus there was the ECWA title, which has like, I don't know, like 40 years of title lineage that I need to be a part of again. Cause I had it before. Um, so it was all in my mind, you know, I was like, this is an important match for myself, for this company. We were doing our second show on IWTV, which is a huge platform. So I knew that that had to be that I couldn't just like, not that I ever mail it or call it in, but I knew I had to like step up my game. I lost, by the way. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone's interested, I'm, I'm just gonna throw it. You can go to on on uh, cagematch.com and see, but uh, or go online at this point, I guess. And uh, yeah, I was I was not victorious that night. I was just gonna say because it's you don't see like you know when somebody wins a championship uh, on the independence, like it's for like one day. It's usually you know, that's commonplace in, you know, WWE or AEW, but not necessarily independence. So that's where my curiosity came from. No, of course. I mean, again, another rare example, something that's that's not an everyday occurrence. And I think that's what really stuck out about this whole situation. Um, it just literally, like, I get the call at, um, I don't remember what time it was, uh, 
like two o'clock in the afternoon before I even arrived to the venue. And they're like, Hey, you know, you're, we had to switch some plans up. You're going to be wrestling for the world one title tonight. We're going to try to unify this thing. Uh, you know, make it one company. And I'm like, yeah, you know, cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really very easy to work with despite, you know, if anyone ever had to debate that, uh, and I was like, yeah, let's go, man. I'm game. Let's just get this, let's get this going. And, you know, um, I wouldn't have done it that, like, I wouldn't have put the world one title on the line for me personally that night. I would have, I would have taken it and, you know, done something more with it. And then, you know, if they needed to have a title defended, I would have done it, but I, I get where they were coming from. They were kind of, they were, t- they were stuck in a hard place. So I, you know, I did what I had to do. Now, uh, your your uncle was a referee for pro wrestling. Uh, I believe you mentioned yeah. that before. Uh, people might, yeah, yeah. might not know how important the Dord Man in the Ring actually is. Could you kind of tell us what you learned from your uncle and how to maybe what he taught you going into your wrestling career? Um... And it's no offense to him, but I learned absolutely nothing from him. Um, he, uh, I did learn not to like, I, I will say he probably mouthed off to the wrong person and he got lit up by one of the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing a show in Brooklyn and, it, you know, this is back in the like mid, uh, mid eighties. Yeah, I would say. And he was just being official cause he was always a fanatic and, uh, this wrestler just decided to take a Heineken bottle and crack him. Legit crack him over the head. Didn't tell him he was going to do it. Just, I think they, you know, they probably had some words in the back. And, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, you're probably not going to see that these days. Like, stuff like that probably won't fly. But he, uh, you know, he probably had a little bit of a situation backstage. They got out there and the heel, I guess, you know, decided he was going to crack open a Heineken bottle on my, my uncle's head. Um, Damn. Yeah. So, and that was it for him. You know, he never, he ne- he was always a fan. He's still a fan to this day, but he never got involved with the wrestling business. He introduced me to the promoter who's promoting Pedro Rodriguez, where I eventually started to train in Bedstad, Brooklyn. Um, that was oh. years later. Scooter, you have a question? Yeah. There's something very prominent on your social media that involves a certain wrestling lawyer by the name of Smart Mark Sterling. Can you you explain what this lawsuit is and how it went viral and what was the overall uh, idea you had to ben- the benefit from it. Well, you know, uh, that video had gone viral the night that it happened. And, uh, you know, and <laughs> so you got a little bit of, it, 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 you, a lot of people got very colorful with their comments as far as, you know, not really me, but like Joey Ace. And, you know, like as much as Joey and I don't get along these days and, you know, whatever, like, um, you know, people won't ever know the full story, and I'm cool with that. But regardless, like, you know, I think that when that video went viral, which I kind of had an idea was, you know, in my head, I was like, all right, this is probably going to go viral. And, you know, 2020 was a bust for a lot of us. 
So I said, you know what? This is my last shot to really do something big. And I knew, <laughs> like I said, I had said before, like this is for the World 1 title, the ECWA title. Um, I saw the lineage. I knew this was going to be an IWTV, so I knew it was going to get a lot of views. So that in itself was enough for a reason for me. Like, okay, I know when I, I take calculator risk, like I tell people. Um, but going back to Sterling, uh, you know, it was one of those things where, so I, it seemed, it seemed like going through the chair, I was like, that's not supposed to happen. You know what I mean? That just does not happen. And I was like, you know, like, I wasn't even, I was seriously just looking at a commercial on TV and it was <laughs> the silliest thing. I go, okay, like you can sue for anything these days. And I'm like, <laughs> I go, you can. And it was like, this guy, this guy, this, like this, this commercial was almost offensive if I was the type to get offended easily. Like it was this guy just falling off a ladder and it was, it was just so hokey. I go, can I really see, like, I wonder if I could get away with that for, like, emotional duress. So I contacted Mark, and I go, hey, Mark, like, you know, what's the deal? Like, do you think that we can kind of get something off of this? And he goes, I mean, let me look. You know, he has he has his attorney friends, and, you know, and next thing you know, he goes, yeah, like, like it, it, you could say that um, the, the, the chair was um, – like it was supposed to break. So essentially it was, it had a flaw within the way it was made, which caused me to like potentially get hurt and which caused me to have problems. Like in terms of, mm -hmm. it was defective. It was a, yeah. it was a defective chair. That's what that was. And so we went with that. And then next thing you know, they're like, and we got a settlement out of it. I was like, holy shit. Who would have thought it? Like, uh, I, I was like, I, I listen, I, I, I can't say too much about like, the numbers or anything like that. I can say a little bit about this. I'm going to word this very carefully. <laughs> I will say this. If it had not gone our way, I could almost see like the other side of things. You know what I mean? And Ooh, right. you know what I mean? Like, right. Like if that things hadn't gone our way, I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> like, but, but you know, it worked out well. Um, and you know, like that was, pretty damn cool man and like and you know like yeah i had a little bruise here and there but the chair and, and all that in all that, like fairness the chair like breaking that way um I, i'm a hundred and well 651 pounds but i'm 165 pounds if somebody who is sitting okay, there I is like I lost weight. I've been okay. on, I've been on a keto diet. I've been on a keto diet. <laughs> fair um, enough, fair enough. <laughs> so so I'm thinking like okay like I could see that because somebody who's a little heavier sits on this thing and it's defective they can get hurt. So I just kind of like equivocated to that. I'm like, all right, we're it's all fair. We're all good. Uh, by the way, just gotta get this quick uh, little plug in. You're from Ozone Park. Cross Bay Boulevard, there's a law office that bears my actual name. Uh, once they win <laughs> uh, if um, uh, you ever need a lawyer, yeah, you, you, you never need a lawyer that's not in gimmick. Call uh, him. I'm not related to him in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> we just share a name. But, uh, <laughs> But B B for Bozo Park and Cross Bay Boulevard around that area, people always just say, Oh, uh, 
Hey, you know you have a law office? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> there, you there you go. Yeah, I got a question. Uh, it's more of a legacy question um, because uh, I think everyone, when when people do wrestling, a lot of people feel like that they're doing it for themselves or to get themselves over or make some cash. Uh, but based from you, I feel like it's more of a, like you said, doing the best that you can and, and making a positive impact in the world. And and the reason I tie this into it is because I know like people, I, I know you lost your mom and I don't want to go like too deep, but more so it, it's more about the sense of not only making do wrestling for yourself, but making the legacy of family and the legacy of, uh, how can I put it? Basically being bigger than yourself. And do you feel like when you're wrestling, do you feel that it is indeed bigger than yourself? Hence why you, I see that you do your best to promote like your uncle ref and your brothers and, and Steve Dunmeg and, and, and so on and so forth. So I, I kind of get that vibe from you. Uh, yeah, if you yeah. could elaborate on it, that would be appreciative. Definitely. Um, I think, you know, and, and okay, so I, just to clarify some confusion, I had a legitimate uncle um, who was a referee in the late 80s for these like smaller independents. But my uncle, ref Steven Dumang, that's my actual brother. Not a lot of people know that, but it's just Uncle like, Bevin. Really... Uncle yeah, Bevin. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Bevin. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, it's weird because, you know, we don't look a lot alike and people are like, oh, like, it's just personality wise, we're nothing alike. But, right. uh, you know, yeah, he, that's actually my legitimate brother. And he's a referee for, you know, Ring of Honor, Beyond Wrestling. I mean, he's done so much and I'm so proud of him. Um, right. So, like, to me, like I feel at comfort with myself as like, I remember Booker T did this. We did a seminar with Booker T and he had asked us like, you know, what do you like, what do you want to get from this? What do you, what do you want to like, do you want to get signed in Japan, you know, uh, WWE NXT. And I said to him and he must've been like, you fool. Like, you know, like he must've been like, Sorry, that's a terrible fucking response. Start going really off. <laughs> well, well, let's see what, let's see what the response is. And then we'll do but but the response I had for him is like I just need to leave a legacy behind. Like I need to be able to leave something behind that my family, that my friends, that everyone could be like, look back, and when some you know dead and buried, they can be like, you know this like this can bring joy to me. You know whether it's me like with the freaking barbell shooting vignettes in Times Square or having a wrestling match with Anthony Gangone. Like I just want to leave that legacy because. If you if you do this long enough and you do it at, at a rate that you know people can respect and and enjoy your stuff, like yes, I, do I want to get signed? Absolutely, I'd be a fucking idiot not to do that. Like I'd want to get signed to one of the big companies because that's going to just give me the opportunity, yes, to to obviously make that full time living doing this, but also you know and provide for my family, you know, but also right. like leave a bigger legacy. But that's what it is mm -hmm. because. You can't, you can't take that money with you anywhere. You can't, you know, like 
I, I like I have like I luckily have put enough money where if God forbid I drop that tomorrow, I you know my family you know people would be taken care of you know. But right. at the same time, like you realize some point in life, like it's all about creating memories, man, for everybody. You know yourself, for your friends, for your family, for your fans. Like if you can, and that's why I understand why like Vince McMahon and WWE are so big on creating moments and why ring of honor. You know, I did a camp with them a few years back, like mm-hmm. creating moments is such a big thing because people remember that about you. They'll remember how you made them feel, you know? And, um, I know, listen, a Booker must've been like, you, you, this dude is really a sucker. Like, <laughs> like you gotta get in your bag. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Who am I to ever like disagree with a guy who's done as much as Booker T has <laughs> a man's legend. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I didn't want to give him the same, oh, yeah, dude, I want to get signed to WWE in, you know, 10 years. I want to start movies. Like, I would assume that if you're training with a guy like Booker T, who's done it all and is a fucking amazing, one of the greats, that you, yeah, definitely want to do something along those lines at some point in your career. But I, for me, I felt like, you know, leaving behind a legacy and be like, yo, that dude was so awesome. I wish I got to see him live or I miss seeing him live. All that jazz, you know, like that's what I stick to my head. And that's why I love doing the vignettes. That's why I love to deal with the barbell. You know, people are like, oh, like <laughs> it's so over the top, but I have to be. I'm colossal, dude. Like I never, in my mind, I always put in my head, like I always felt I was six seven. I always walked around like I was this big motherfucker because I had a Napoleon complex. I ain't gonna lie to you guys. Like I just, always felt I was this larger dude and sometimes you know I would walk around and people probably didn't like that because you know I walk out with my chest up and my shoulders out and just having pride in myself and I guess sometimes people don't get either intimidated or don't like that but that's all good like I don't do it for them I do it for me and I do it for the people who support me and me being the smart ass that I was I I I am I would have gone up to Booker T and said if he asked me that question, I, I would have been like, I want to be the next GI bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't I think would, he would. I would I have not think. And then, I, I, I don't think he would have appreciated that. <laughs> I'll, I'll be quite honest. May, I, maybe I think, maybe we hold off on GI bro for a little bit. <laughs> I think the first thing he would have probably said, I think initially he probably said, tell me to say that. <laughs> But I think deep down, I think that he would think that too because he's a, he's a legacy type of person, especially, you know, coming from the cut of cloth that he came from. So I, I think deep down he would agree with you. Probably thought that was the smartest answer. I personally think that was the smartest answer. Absolutely. I appreciate that, man. Like, yeah. Now, uh, you just, you've done some uh, intergender wrestling as well. Uh, and- right. You were trained in a very different era of pro wrestling, where maybe wrestling a woman was kind of frowned upon or taboo at that time. Um, Was there a learning curve to, you know, going from what you've always been taught from, you know, when you started to kind of coming up to where we are now with uh, intergender wrestling? Oh, absolutely, man. Like, here's the thing, like, the women that I've, you know, got in the ring with, I have so much respect for, you know, because I think they've, like, I can name whether it was Thunder Rosa or Raylan or Nikki Adams, um, you know, uh, Davian. 
not only uh, yeah davian by the way who her and i have the second highest limitless viewings of a match in limitless wrestling history thank you very much uh, <laughs> i think it's like i think it's at 32 million uh something like that i go i, I told davian last time i saw her I go we're practically household names um <laughs> so, so, she, <laughs> so i'll say this about them they were all talented they were all so fucking uber tough man like they were just like i didn't feel a difference in my mind you know what i mean like to me i was like I could bring it to them the way I would bring it to anybody else and protect myself, protect them, but also be able to, you know, give the fans something that they would enjoy and believe in. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you look at those matches, there wasn't something so unbelievable just based on the psychology that you'd be like, eh, you know, like, eh, you know, coming up where I come from, came from, I was so nervous to ever get in the ring with a, a girl. But when I was like started training, like, they were like, I could count on one hand the amount of girls that would come train. And I just remember thinking like, man, some of these guys are so fucked up. You know what I mean? Like they were just so weird, you know, like they were just like making comments and just weird shit that I was never like, you know, my mom taught me, right. My mom and dad, I'll say my parents just raised me. Right. You know, just be respectful of people, whether guy or girl. And I would just hear some of the comments these dudes would say, you know, and just, just it was disgusting you know what i mean like what you know like it's just not it's really inappropriate for even for that time but it was the wild west back in the early 2000s you know and so you know we didn't have social media and i you know i think that's one of the things that i'm glad has changed you know like you know just i would i never got in the ring with any girls when i was training not because one i wasn't fully trained yet so i didn't want to hurt anybody and then two, um, they was it was unless they were the tra- unless you were the trainer, you weren't getting in with it. I I wasn't, you know, like I wasn't mm-hmm. a trainer for anybody, so I just didn't. It, there wasn't a comfort level at that point to get in the ring. You know, at this point, I've been doing this for so long that yeah, I mean, you put me in with anybody, I'm gonna, I'll be able to deliver. And I just again, I'm I'm grateful that the the female talent that I've been in the ring with, just tough as nails. And they brought it as 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 good, if not better, than some of the boys. Um, I'll, I'll give it t- Thunder Rosa. Thunder fucking Rosa, to me, is one of the best. You know, she. I, I just like. I think she, she she lays it in. I love that shit. You know. Um. You know, like just guy, girl, whatever. Wolf. I don't. You know, like turtle. Uh, you know, <laughs> op- fucking Optimus Prime. I don't care. You know, I <laughs> get in there, baby. Right. Let's just get at this shit, man. Let's go in there and work, right? So I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, Ray Lynn, you know, also who, you know, not, you know, like just also very, very tough, man. Highly underrated as far as the toughness level, and uh, you know, should be somewhere signed somewhere. Uh, you know, Hol- I never wrestled Holiday, but I always liked her. You know, I, um, Big Bang, Ronnie Nicole, love Big Bang. Um, you know, I see her and she hits fucking hard, so that that always you know puts a little smile on my face. Um, you know, uh, Davian again, just insanely tough and just so like here's a, the misconception that I think people have about about guys who came up in the early two thousands. Um, like that we're not looking to evolve with the business or that, you know, we're not looking to No, Here's my take. This is my personal take. This is not, I'm not speaking on anyone's behalf. If you're, if you bust your ass 
and you work and you put your best foot forward and aren't playing the fucking game that I've seen for 20 years now. And I know what the game, and if you've been in this business, you know what the game is. Um, mm -hmm. I'll always give you props. You know, again, guy, girl, whatever. I, I you know what I mean? Like it, it, I will always give you props, but when people take bullshit, you know, um, it, it, the big thing now is like getting caught online. It's just like, come on, dude, let your work speak for itself. You know, let, let the work speak for itself. Like if you're as good as you, you claim to be, mm -hmm. I, I see people just do stuff and it's just, I, I, the mute button on Twitter is the best fucking button to ever exist. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is amazing. It does wonders. I love that thing. Um, I don't block people unless somebody really gets to the point. Like I've only blocked two people and one of them's a rib. <laughs> Chris Statlander, <laughs> you'll block me. I'll block you back, sis. We have a work, Chris Statlander. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we got a call out. We got a call out. Now, and listen, and and talk about someone else who's busted. Like that girl has busted her ass, man, and deserves. You know, all things aside, deserves all the success, man. Uh, I, I absolutely can't wait till she comes back. She's gonna light up AEW uh, once again. No, uh, you were the masculine Marvel, uh, well-mannered, mm -hmm. now you're colossal. Uh, can right. you tell us why this version and the colossal persona has worked for you so very well? The colossal, so colossal Mike Law definitely works more for me than anything because it really, like I said before, it's who I, who I in my mind have always envisioned myself. I remember right. when I was playing like football and I was younger in grade school and I was a, a dude, I was five foot one, barely, I was like barely five feet. I was a, practically a, a dwarf. And, uh, you know, I was probably 90 pounds and it took four people to take me down. And I, and I always remember saying to myself, like, and I've never claimed to be the toughest dude, but I always said to myself, like, I just was persistent, man. And I was always hungry and I always wanted to prove myself against everybody. Because, and I would always, you know, I mean, probably not something I would do these days, but, you know, I would, I would purposely get into fights with bigger kids in school. I would, you know, start fights with some of the bigger kids because I had this thing where I just wanted to prove to everybody that I was tougher than the kid that was like 200 pounds and, you know, was already like six feet. You know, I was ready like to throw down with anybody. I've calmed down since then, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not randomly just challenging people to fights, but um, <laughs> I think the colossal, like, moniker, persona, who is who I really in my heart and mind believe who I am, so I don't really consider it, like, a gimmick, because people are like, oh, it's a great gimmick. No, it's, it's, it's like, it's who I am. It's, right. it, 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 it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's not physically, the physical stats aren't what, like what they are, but it's who I, in my mind, envision who I am and who, what I present to people. And it's a larger than life personality. And, uh, you know, I like the masculine Marvel. I don't know if I can get away with that these days. Um, so, you know, whatever, but, um, but it was fun, I mean, you man. Could. You could. No, I, I, dude, I literally came up with that moniker at like, I was going out for a match and we had to change cause I was with two other guys in the stable and they wanted to change the gimmick altogether. It went from uh, something completely stupid to something even dumber. And so I was like, they're like, well, you guys are doing a bodybuilding gimmick. And I was, I was nowhere near like these guys were insane. Jason static had 
fucking veins uh, in his ears. That's how freaking jacked this dude had. <laughs> like he had veins popping out of his earlobe. That's how you know what I mean. <laughs> earlobe, dude. Joe, Joe, delicious. You know, bust his soul. Like those guys. I was in between, but it was funny because I'm this small, like, like tiny dude, and these guys are massive. So that that was the gimmick. And the guys like the announcer like, well, what's your name? And I go. Uh, you know, masculine Marvel. I don't, I just something kind of like like literally as I'm going out, masculine Marvel, and then we went with that, and then uh, I I enjoyed. It. I mean, I I kid. Obviously, you can't do that today. Like it doesn't. You can do anything within the context of what we do because that's the art of what we do. That's like what we do. I consider a sport as a athlete because we train like athletes. We eat. We're supposed to eat like athletes. We you know, we warm up like athletes. We're supposed to stretch. We're supposed to train so that way we don't kill ourselves or kill others. But the entertainment aspect is where we can kind of work with the boundaries of like, you know, will this make sense for this person or, you know, with this crowd, you know? Right. And uh, that's kind of why I phrased it persona rather than, you know, gimmick, because it's not technically a gimmick it is who you are it's the persona that you that's you you know what i mean yeah i would consider the barbell the gimmick you know what i mean like i would say like you know what i mean like the barbell and by the way you can follow the barbell at the real barbell barbie the barbell on twitter and instagram Damn right, has a, the barbell oh, the I barbell have... has her own instagram and twitter account by the way well you know, since you, you brought it up, uh, why don't you tell us about Barbie the Barbell? Uh, her Twitter account says she's 2,000 pounds of twisted sex appeal. Your boyfriend's side chick for booking inquiries. Just DM, no creepers. Uh, unfortunately, her DMs are not open. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she, uh, and it's funny because. Uh, I just came across her literally like one day, like we were just thinking like, what, what can we do to like, and I give all the credit to my brother, uncle ref Steven. Um, you know, uh, you know, we just needed something to kind of spice up the look, you know what I mean? Like uh, not so much from a physical standpoint, you know, but like more the idea, like, okay, what's going to get people to look through the curtain when this person comes out? And like, we just thought this like ginormous barbell and, um, you know, uh, I got I, I got I'm not going to name my friend, but my my female friend who runs the, 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 both those uh, IGs, uh, she keeps things tasteful. <laughs> so I, I give her credit. Um, the no creeper thing was her idea. Uh, so I was like, OK, I can get that because she she like, yeah, she's a fairly attractive lady, uh, girl, I should say a lady. Um, but she uh, she's got that when she she said that it popped me because I go, that, that does sound like something you would say you know like yeah and no creepers so, is light yeah no creepers because she gets a lot of uh well creepers there you go <sighs> uh scooter you had a question uh yeah we're gonna maybe bring just a l- little bit down but in remembrance uh recently the indie wrestling world lost dk meadows Mm-hmm. And you had a match with him in uh, June of 2019. Can you tell us right. a little bit about uh, that and speak to the uh, type of uh, guy he was? 
No, of course, man. And, and you know, it just happened so sudden, man. And, you know, I don't, I think, and I know people go through the depression and stuff like that. I say to myself, like, man, life is so precious. Like every day that we get up is an accomplishment. And, you know, I, I, poor DK, I don't know the, you know, unfortunately the situation of his passing, but he was such a, he was so eager to learn. You know what I mean? He was so, like, I could tell, like, he had that passion to do this. You know what I mean? Like he just had, you know, it, you know, being around the business as long as I have, you know, when someone's just, just trying to bullshit their way through things, you know, like they're just trying to like find the easiest possible path to get to what they need to get to. And listen, that teach your own. I can't hate on it, but DK to me was a guy who um, not only was very humble, but very passionate about the learning process about doing this, you know, like uh, we had a match. Um, he shot a knee that like, if you look at the knee that he gave me from that, it was fucking accurate. That's all I'm going to say. Like, just so accurate. Um, but then afterwards, he, I was just he was so like, you know, what could I do better? Like, all the cool, you know, the things that, you know, some people are just too cool to, like, ask. And, ask. Uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. and I appreciate that. You know, to me, I was like, you know, he and I think Azrael was, was seconding me that night. So, um, you know, he asked both of us, you know, and it was really cool. And it just it was very refreshing to me to see somebody who was doing this and is trying to get better and trying to ask the right questions. And um, it's fucking sad, dude. Like I, I you know, I, I hadn't seen DK in a while, but just knowing that the, that a life like that, so young and so much, so full of potential and so many memories to be made, um, you know, was cut short. And, uh, you know, I, I send my love out to his family, his friends, and, you know, his acquaintances and anybody who, you know, came in contact with him. He, he had a, he got a great shoulder, a head on his shoulder, I should say. Kalika, you have a question? Uh, try to get on a more lighter note. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, listen, I'm glad it was addressed because he was good people and I, and I, I appreciate it. I'm glad you even took time to do it, man. I mean, that yeah, just shows the type of person he was. Um, but the polar bear plunge. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how did that feel? Because I know I've been in New York one time and I knew it was mad brick as hell out there. And I'm like, ain't no way in hell. <laughs> right. So the polar bear plunge, that was done. I did that a few years ago. It was after Hurricane Sandy and it was to raise funds for the American Cancer Society. Um, I definitely want to do it again. Uh, you know, I, I think, I don't know if it was done this past year because of COVID, but I will say this. Um, my whole body felt good. Dude, I ran in there and it hit me. I was in shorts. <laughs> I didn't drink up. I will tell you a lot of people on that beach were, were inebriated <laughs> upon hitting that water. Um, <laughs> kind of softened the blow, right? But I was there. I was like, I was just determined and I hit the water. And everything felt good. The only thing I'll tell you right now was my feet. I felt like I had stepped on a thousand fucking like nails. They were mm. brutal. It was like, it was like stepping on nails. Like my feet were just completely like, and it, it was that my feet were the only thing that I would say like suffered, <laughs> but I got out, you know, we were in there for a little bit. And then the news, I think 10 or 12 news, like, Oh, can you go in there again? Because we want to, you know, catch the story. <laughs> you know, 
and, and, and me being an attention whore, I go, well, sure, why not? You know? And, uh, and I ran in again, like a good soldier. And, uh, and, and it took that. I don't even know if I appeared. I think they just, they were ribbing me. Um, and and the worst thing was that, (laughs) the worst thing was that my dad had my dry clothes. So, um, it was packed, you know, a lot of people, it was after Sandy. And I think a lot of people took it as an opportunity to kind of unite, you know, for whatever it's worth. And, um, he took all my dry clothes. So I'm here, I'm here walking the streets of Long Beach, Long Island to my car and like, you know, from head to toe, other than my shirt, my shirt was dry in my hat, but my pants were completely soaked. I was in shorts and yeah. my socks were, you know, were obviously soaked and my sneakers. And it was, yeah. And it was freezing that day. I remember it was like literally right, right after Sandy. And uh, there was no boardwalk at that point, or at least it was part of it. And, um, but I, I would do it again. It was so awesome. <laughs> Damn, man. Oh, I could just, oh, that reminds me of like some boot camp shit where they had us doing stupid stuff. <laughs> I'm like, well, damn all that. Uh, cool experience. Cool. Well, here on yeah, wrestling, yeah, you can fit. Well, here on Wrestling with Entertainment, we always ask, uh, we're, we're all nerdy about something. Uh, so what is something you're very nerdy about? Naughty? About? No, nerdy. 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 I go, naughty, go. Example. I go, are we really doing this now? <laughs> I go, I, I, I don't know. Um, for the no, audio I, visual. God. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I go, what? I got my marble. Could be a, uh, my marble uh, 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 right here. So. Um, no, no. I, I, I see. No, so nerdy. Um, wow. I, I, I mean, I used to collect comic books. I think we all at one point or another. I'm just trying to think of anything like, and I, you know, like it's all obviously now it's so acceptable. So it's like, you know, like back in our day, right? It wouldn't be considered, like, oh, you're a nerd. You cut comic oh, books. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I, dude, I still have stacks of them. Um, I don't know. I, you know, something nerdy. I don't know. That's a good question, man. You got me stumped the whole like <laughs> time. I'm like, like answering questions. I'm like, Boom, boom, boom on all cylinders, and now I'm like stuck. I'm like, I mean, I like to. I, I guess I like to read. You know what I mean? I like to. I like to. I mean, I don't know if it's nerded, like, but I like to read about like investments and stuff, and like, like cryptocurrency, oh, like, oh yeah, you know, right. and real estate, and real estate. You know, like I'm a, you know, I like I, I, I don't ever, and with all due respect to the guys who came before us, I don't ever want to be one of those guys that like. You know, I look at it, it, you know, I know it's controversial, but like Jimmy Snuka, for example, you know, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I don't know if he had to wrestle to make ends meet. I don't know. But a guy his age wrestling, I always felt like, especially toward the latter part of his years when his physical health wasn't doing well, I go, it has to be because he has to. I, I, I don't know why you would, if you physically can't do this, I don't know why you would and, and not do something within the capacity of wrestling, but without being in the ring, you know what I mean? Like, and I, and maybe, I don't know if he's an example or I, I've seen people who you're like, geez, dude, I, I want to be able to leave this game or at least take part in outside the ring, but be financially set. You know what I mean? So I'm a big proponent of 
you know, just constantly reading stuff about finances and financial you know, literacy. Yeah. Fine. There you go. Financial literacy. Go. I don't think you could get any nerdier than that, but there, <laughs> there you oh, go. It, hey, trust me. I, I, I be reading it all the time, man. So I feel it. I feel you on that one, man. Especially with stocks and S and P 500s. This is one of our more, right. this is one okay. of our more controversial questions. Pineapple on oh, pizza. What's your stance? Pineapple on pizza? Yes. Yep. I suppose if you worship Satan, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wow, <laughs> sir. That is um. <laughs> oh, oh, oh I, you know that's gonna be the soundbite that gets me canceled. And like, like, no. Listen, in all, in all fairness, I don't care. Like, listen, if you like, I don't like it. I'm not a big fan of uh, pineapple on on pizza. I love pineapple. On its own, I like pineapple pie, you know, like pineapple cheesecake, stuff like that. If you decide that you want pineapple on your pizza, you and I can't be friends, but I give you all the right. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> We're gonna, we, we may have to throw down, but, it, you know, but not. In all fairness, man, like, you know, kidding aside, of course, uh, I, I – I don't care. Uh, I, I'm a big like, per, like I like pepperoni and mushrooms on, uh, you know, an onion. onion. Uh, <laughs> um, but pineapple on pizza, not my thing. But if it's your thing, you know, God bless you. Okay, then. Mm. that's that has been one of our more passionate answers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Worship Satan. I like that. <laughs> I rebuke. You have maybe one last question before we uh we start wrapping things up. Uh, in in competing for ECWA, just give us a brief summary of how it felt to compete in the Super Eight tournament. Damn, that's a good question. Um, uh, it it like I would say it was just to me something coming full circle. I remember that night. I like, I know a lot of people doubted me and I think I still know that people doubt me. Um, but, um, I remember that I drew Chase Owens, I think from the bullet club as my first, which I was like, Oh, this is fucking great. Like, this is the, like, I was thinking like, give me somebody who I can kind of like warm up with <laughs> and then <laughs> go after the big dog. But no, let's just throw him in. I guess Chase Owens. Let's see what he can do. Which I was like, listen, I welcome all that shit, dude. I will face anybody. I'll get in the ring with anybody. Um, I'm not like, I, I will test myself with anybody. Like, in like, I put my, all my reputation on it, dude. I bust my ass and I work hard. But with that being said, once Chase Owens pinned me, and I don't think you see it on tape or anything, but I burst out crying. And it wasn't because, like, I was hurt or anything, but because I remember, you know, the year before that, uh, my manager at the time, AJ Pan, who's actually one of my best friends, his mom was at the Super 8. And I was initially, I was in the Super 8 for 2017, but then, you know, some um, some political, listen, political bullshit. I'm not going to get too detailed to it, but some political bullshit happened, and I was taken off last second, and... She was there for that. She had passed away at that point by the oh. second time, by the time I was in 2018 Super 8. And I, you know, like, I like I knew she would be proud. The other guy was my my very good friend, Brandon Kaplan, Spiral B. Can Y. He had died. 
the same year, I believe. Um, and I, him and I would always talk about how he would be in the best of the best and I was going to be in the Super 8, you know, way back when, when Kettner was still the owner. And then, you know, just those two popped into my head as soon as that match was over because more important than, you know, doing it for myself, I felt like I had done that for them because we, you know, I knew that they were watching. And, you know, that, that to me was very emotional um, time. And it, it, it kind of, it was kind of like when I did, when I did that match, you know, when I wrestled for Ring of Honor uh, in Philly that one time and it was on TV and my brother was a referee. Um, I had to disown him because he counted the three on me uh, <laughs> on that one. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that to me was like kind of the same idea with, like, you know, it kind of, to me, it's like, okay, this, this long ass journey and it's been a bumpy road was so worth it. You know what I mean? Like anytime that has like this kind of, momentous situation like the super eight or ring of honor like you know or debuting canada or, or debuting in dominican republic or you know anything like that it just it marks these chapters in my journey in pro wrestling that makes you like yo like through all these tears through sleeping in the car because we've all done it through shitty paydays you know to great paydays to shitty promoters to the awesome promoters you know like and I'll say that the promoters these last few years have been awesome, like <laughs> way cooler, uh, way better with everything than, and way more professional these times, these last few years. But it just, I, you know, it, it, uh, it kind of just lends itself to, you know, for me as far as being able to um, just justify everything, I guess. Awesome. And uh, Kalika, you have uh, maybe one last question as well. Actually, I got a couple of questions. <laughs> it's it's all right. So I'm a big music dude. That's my. I well, I'm kind of nerdy and everything, but I'm a music dude. So I the first music, question. I love jazz. Jazz is my jazz. My go-to oh my god, people oh. don't. Jazz is like the wrestler jazz. The unsung hero. <laughs> it's the unsung hero of music, man. It yeah, is literally yeah. the unsung hero of music. Like so many hip hop artists have sampled jazz, like Jay Dilla's all, that, but but you know I could go on and on at that. But well, that's a conversation for another day for you and I. <laughs> I know. Uh, so your your wrestling career soundtrack, three songs that would encapsulate your wrestling career. Ooh. Ooh. That's good. That's good, dude. Um. I would say Money Talk. I don't know why, but I always thought Money Talk from um, from ACDC was always a big one. Um, what else? Uh, probably on my playlist. <laughs> it's like my workout playlist. You know what I mean? Like you have your like little work like playlist for like workouts. So, um, yeah. damn, that's a good question. That's a good question, dude. And I'm like a big jazz guy when it comes to like. Um, just overall music, like I, I just love jazz. Oh, um, yeah. oh god, that's a good fucking question, dude. Why would you do <laughs> me like that? Why would you put <laughs> this is like the last one? Uh, oh, he muted his yeah, there you guys? Go. Yes, can you hear yeah. us? Yeah, okay, we're good, right? So, we got money talks about ACDC. Um, God, you know what's gonna suck is I'm gonna re-listen to this whole thing and I'm like, why did I choose those? 
Terrible. <laughs> stupid. 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 Well, you could always come back um, on and, and reiterate your, your song. You can update your playlist. I know. Uh, uh, update the playlist. <laughs> uh, play, uh, yeah. Um, God. Uh, you're killing me here, man. This is good. This is good <laughs> shit. This is like a good. Like, I, I'll be honest. I've never been asked this question. Um, so it's like, and like, I'm a music. I love music. Like I love, you know, like I, I have the most eclectic music taste because I'll be listening to like Tina Turner, simply the best, and then next thing you know, I'm listening to fucking, you know, uh, uh, Self Esteem by Offspring. You know, like I don't know. Like, it's, <laughs> I, I, I feel you. I go from um, Leanne Rhyme to Tupac just like that. Like right, right. If I'm, just, if I'm in a mood for something, yeah, you would think like if I were to show you my regular like, playlist, you would think like this guy is a fucking sociopath. There may be something wrong with him. Like, he's, like, it's just, he has such different music taste. Um, oh, no, we're all there. We, we all got that, that weird playlist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, that's, that, like, that's like, kept in the in the back. You're like, okay, no one. Um, damn, dude. Uh, St. Anger? I've always thought Metallica was St. Anger. Right. I, 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 okay. Right. Yeah, I was, I experienced, like, very, like, I think not now because um the happiest I've been in like in in every which way you know um but pe- there were times where I was like angry and people were, like like I would never let it get out but I think people could tell from my demeanor that I wasn't exactly happy <laughs> like not like <laughs> depressed not depressed no I was never like I was depressed but like I was like you know pissed in your cornflakes type shit. right yeah I'm, 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 I'm taking a swing on somebody but anyway <laughs> um, I would say that's in anger um I what about how about Tom Petty I won't back down oh right. yeah right. 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 okay right. there I, we go I, I, can we switch I, I don't know if money talk is really where I want to end my my <laughs> my third one <laughs> that's like a feel good song I I, I you kind of use that to kind of motivate myself sometimes um, okay. You're but, locked uh, in now. I, I was, yeah, I'm locked in. Uh, all right. Subject to change. No, subject to change. I want to. I want to see what he would change it for. Yeah, what did you change? So Tom, so Tom Petty, I won't back down. Definitely in, and then we'll talk about saying anger from Metallica. Um, sure. Now you got the pressures on me because now I'm thinking like, what could possibly replace? Uh, right. Um. Okay. Um. This is not, uh, so it's a classic from Frank Sinatra, but Sid Vicious always did it my in a way, way that I like it, my way. So I'm going to go way. with my way. Um, <laughs> like, you know, and I'm, I'm sure it's like, like, that's like a stereotypical, like, oh, why wouldn't you use that one? But I, I like, I always like Sid Vicious's version of that one. And I'm going to go with that one over can, Money Talk. All right. I could dig it. You feel is like that you your final way. answer? Those are you know his what? final answers. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with that I'm gonna go with that. See, okay, there he goes. See, and then the final question is, why is Zach Morris trash? <laughs> that oh my god! <laughs> did, I, did, you guys, did you guys like see that tweet? I go, he really is fucking trash. <laughs> what a scumbag! <laughs> I, I was like, this guy's an asshole. Why would anyone? Why would anybody want to befriend this guy? Um, he. Because he he knowingly threw people under the bus and ran them over for at you know at their expense so that way he could be like seen as successful. I don't know. I just I, I every little ploy that that guy had 
made me believe that he didn't give a fuck about anybody other than himself. <laughs> and I go, if that's not a sign of a sociopath, I don't know what to tell you. Plus, that, plus his, uh, his yet, yet nine-year-old us were like, ah, he's cool. <laughs> no, plus his uncanny ability to freeze time. You know, he, you know, he did weird things when he went, time out. I, I wouldn't think that I, – I just, to me, I was like, he tried to hook up with every – that's another thing, too. He tried to hook up with every girl. What the fuck? Like, control yourself, Morris. Like, Callie Kapowski, Rory – I forgot her oh, last name. Tori. 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 Sorry, Rory. Uh, she didn't have a last name, actually. Tori, that, you're right. She didn't. Um, the, the girl from the beach club, do you remember her? Stacy. Stacy. Yep, yep. <laughs> He even tried to uh, hook up with Lisa. Yes, yes. <laughs> that, that was your that was your best friend's like main crush. Are you trying to hook up with her? What kind of scumbaggery? Yeah. <laughs> you, Zach Morris, you're a bastard. There we go. See, that's what I want to hear. See, that right. is. Here we go. <laughs> and it is once again time for that segment. Mike Law's Bizarre Adventure. You're a pro wrestler mm-hmm. that goes up and down the road and where crazy and bizarre things are bound to happen. Can you maybe tell us a story that fits that description? James, you might have to redo that. Yeah, I think I missed a question in its entirety. My apologies. Uh, what is a bizarre adventure that you've had that you know going up and down involved the road a a bizarre road story a bizarre road story okay um i was in the car with west draven sam shield and sky boris naboka and i was sick as hell i don't even know why i took this trip it was not worth the hefty ten dollar payday um i i'm in the car and I'm knocked out. Like, it's in my car. I had a Toyota ca- Camry. And I'm laid out. And, and we're going route. I know we're going on route 80 because I'm overhearing them. I'm not opening my eyes because I'm too sick. For whatever reason, I hear Sam Shields tell uh, Boris Naboka, hey, Mike's not going to like that you're doing that. This fucking clown, because he missed the exit, decided to back up. All the way on Route 80 oh, to the previous oh, exit oh. <laughs> to get out because he didn't want to go the extra 20 miles to go to the next exit. Uh, oh. and, and, yeah, so he backed, he fucking floored it and backed it up while I was like half conscious. And I'm like, and I, Sam, I'm like, I'm, I'm saying, why is Sam Shield saying that I wouldn't like this? Like, I didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> meanwhile, I didn't realize until much later that he had driven backwards on Route 80 to get off in the exit that we were supposed to get off because he missed it. Oh, man. That is a very good story. That is crazy. I'll tell you, that's the first time I've been very, it's been very hard for me to like, I I do a lot of these podcasts. I enjoy talking wrestling. I love, you know, I I love to like just, you know, I love doing these podcasts. They're fun. Um, I never, th- I don't think I've ever told that story. <laughs> so there you go. That's, your, that's an exclusive. Exclusive. Yes. See, between Matt and Jazz, I'll take it. Matt and Jazz, I'll take it. <laughs> now, awesome. uh, on a more serious note, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do I see myself in five years? If I'm not 
by the grace of God doing this and I'm health, you know, healthy, which I certainly envision myself being, um, I would love to step back and do more um, agenting. I would love to do more booking and writing and in terms of the wrestling industry. Um, you know, I think in my mind, I have it said that I will eventually run um, a company again, you know, uh, yeah. an independent. Um, it's always been in the back of my mind. You know, I, I can't say when it's going to happen exactly. Um, but I, I always envision myself saying that I would eventually open up a training center of some sort and, and, and use that as a platform for independent, for an independent promotion. And what is a match that people should go out of their way that best shows off what Mike Law is all about? Um, I love my matches with Anthony Gangone and Matt McIntosh from Catus Wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, I like the ECWA match with Chase Owens from uh, the 2018 mm -hmm. Super 8. That was fun. Um, I'm sure there's more forgetting. Uh, plenty. Uh, I didn't wrestle Darius Carter one-on-one, -on -one, but Darius Carter and O'Shea Edwards against myself and Killian McMurphy was very good. Um, highly underrated. Um, that was from Catalyst Wrestling as well. Mm -mm. Let's see. Uh, those are, yeah, I mean, those, those right off the bat. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything because I'm not really allowed to say, but if uh, you follow New Fear City, um, Azrael myself just had a freaking like utmost respect to that fucking guy because we oh, killed each other and that was that to me if i it's one of those things where i hope the match <clears throat> translates on video the way it translated live because that was you could have put that on on any company tv whatever and i think people would have enjoyed it and, and once it does get released um i think people are really going to be in for a treat with that uh i don't know when they're releasing it either but myself versus steve pena from Limitless Wrestling. I think that's coming out hopefully soon. Yeah. That itself was also another fantastic match. Um, also had a match with Ghost Shadow. Like, that's what I'm saying. My best stuff is coming. Like, I keep like, oh, like, you know, I, I never feel like I'm ever satisfied. So I think there's going to be so much good stuff coming in this year on my behalf, on, on many companies' behalf. But um, I'm very excited. So I know that you know, those those few matches, you know, Gangone for sure, definitely go out of way to see that one. Um, shit, I'm, I know I'm going to end up forgetting people and I'll probably get a, a text or, or a DM <laughs> saying, yo, you forgot about me, you asshole. Uh, <laughs> Logan Black, Logan Black, I, I wrestled him. That was a freaking – that actually was a match. Yeah, that's a match that probably should have gotten viral because that's where I did a somersault plancha onto nothing. Um <laughs> and 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 uh, it, you know, yeah, I guess I didn't get the, that many views, but whatever. Um, hey, you still so have yeah, the so, most highest rated uh, match in the limitless wrestling history. We're yeah, second, second. I don't know who the first is though. I'll be honest. I, I just somebody pointed it out to us or on to me on on Twitter, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I looked, I go, I, dude, twenty eight million views or whatever it is. I go, not I, not too shabby. I believe that may. That honor may belong to Katie Arquette. Okay. I'm not sure. Can't get going to hold me to that. I, 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 you know, I probably, I don't, you know, I, I would be, <laughs> I wouldn't be remiss to think that it wasn't because I'm sure she, you know, has an audience and 
you know, fans of her own. So that makes sense. Um, who else? Uh, Jimmy Rave too. I, there's so many good talents out there. I want to wrestle though, man. Like I look at guys like Ken Broadway, you know, I like the house of glory <coughs> students always impressive. Oh, yes. smiley, you know, there's so many people that I'd love to get in the ring with, um, you know, but again, I'm not gonna, I, I'll just go in there and do my thing. I'm not going to be in there like trying to, if promoters want to like make it happen, we'll make it happen. And uh, before we get into the last segment, I will uh, like to say that you possibly tied Master Slamovic for most f bombs dropped in one uh, episode of in one interview. <laughs> you want to know? That's nothing. You want to know? So funny. I don't curse. I really don't. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why tonight I felt the need. You got me on a good night. I don't. <laughs> and I've been That's in a good. car with Ma- I've been in the car with Masha Slamovich and I'll tell you like my ears bleed when that young lady <laughs> speaks sometimes <laughs> I go God I, go, I thought I like like and, and I, I dig her man she's, she, she, she's another one I've never been in the ring with her but she's tough as hell man and I, I, I like I like her because she works hard for hers and you know I could only see big things for her um but yeah, yeah, I've been in a car. We've been in car rides together. I go, I, I like my virgin ears. <laughs> you know, she was okay. Like it was, we went a long stretch without like a crossword, and then when we asked her the pineapple on pizza question, it was f bomb after f bomb, and like I feel like we definitely wound her up after that because it was just not that question. <laughs> oh, See, that's goodness. why I'm glad I came with fucking jazz, yo. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. They, oh, jazz is classical. We're always gonna like you know treat it as such. Um, no, I don't. You know, it's funny. I do these podcasts. I don't ever really curse or. But I, I, I said to myself in this year, I really want to start like, not, not so much like. And I, I again, I don't like ever like curse up a storm like this. But I, I just wanted people to kind of see a little bit more about you know who I am, what I've done. You know, some stories of fun, like the stuff that I can remember, like some clown driving you know, backwards on Route 80, <laughs> 70 miles an hour, without me knowing, like, probably is one of those. So, you know, I, I enjoy it, man, and, and I hope to, like, have more stories, you know, for, for people to enjoy. And we are nearing the conclusion of this interview. So we are wrestling with the eight questions of Dune. Yo, the music one was already tough. Don't, don't make me work. This is a speed round, a bonus round, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to list off eight questions, and you answer them however you see fit. Are you ready, Mike Law? I am ready. Let's get it. Excluding yourself, greatest wrestler of all time. Eddie Guerrero. Worst Mm. wrestler of all time. Worst wrestler? Oh, shit. Um, Steve Mongo McMichael. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that was a tough one. I mean, it was tough to say, but no, you know, that's you feel bad. Con- that's okay. You nailed our consensus. That's the consensus. <laughs> he, it, it was because he was a he was like so he was a guy that was on a national stage. There have been worse wrestlers than him, but nobody had the push that Steve McMichael had. You know, WCW Four Horsemen. Like he should have been a lot better considering who he was around. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not you know bears. it's not an. It's, it's not a knock on him personally. It's just like they're worse. They actually are way worse wrestlers than him, if you can imagine. He just had a bigger stage. Your main event in WrestleMania for the World Championship. Who is your opponent? 
Shit. Um, does that have to be current or anywhere, anyone? Anywhere you want to do it. You know what? I want to say uh, uh, Dan O'Brien. Ooh, that's a good one. Ah, nice. If you could come out to anyone's entrance music, past or present, who would it be? God dang. Um, I always felt like Steve Austin's theme was way too much to kick ass. It was like, don't call Steve Austin. That has to be. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, finish the sentence. Kayfabe is... Like the mafia code of honor, like it's just you know, every it's our thing. All right. Squash, fruit or vegetable? I re- I remember reading that. It, it, I think it's a vegetable. I'm gonna go with vegetable. Thank you. See, I told y'all, man. <laughs> it may be a fruit. It may be one of those that like they you know. But it I'm may be go with- a fr- They say it's a fruit. But damn it, it ain't in fruit salad. It technically <laughs> is a fruit. I remember reading that. That's how I was going to go. But I was like, yeah. I don't know if that was another vegetable that they misaligned. Anyway, go ahead. Well, you're, you may have gotten the question wrong, but you're in good graces with Coleco Yachts, which it means a hell of a lot more. You are for Yeah, because ain't nobody out here yelling out squash juice. Like, uh, that shit, that shit ain't a Jamba Juice. You are officially a member of Squash Squad. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. New Japan wrestler Taichi, his ring gear gets smaller every year, revealing more of himself to the world. My question, what is the appropriate trunks to butt cheek ratio for ring gear? I used to get so fucking annoyed when Ahmed <laughs> Johnson... <laughs> I, I, Ahmed Johnson's ass cheek would be popping out. I'd be like, yo, somebody Ahmed fix that, Johnson. please. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's a ratio that's necessary. Like, I, I've had that happen to me once. I, I, I wear a trunk sporadically. Like, I kind of got rid of all of them. But, like, um, I had, like, one or two, like, that I used in the summer or hot building. Dude, you feel it. Like, if, like you feel when there's a breeze there. Just pull the things back down and cover your ass cheeks, guys. Come on now. Let's let's not let's not get crazy. We all we all, anyone any one of us who've had trunks or whatever, uh, and and you feel that you feel the breeze, just you know, adjust the fucking thing. Come on now. <laughs> and the last question, the main event, the thing everybody wants to know: Have you ever had a conversation with a stranger? In a supermarket about Darby Allen. Have I ever had a conversation with anybody in a supermarket about Darby Allen? Yes. Yes. Uh, negative. <laughs> and that is the correct answer. Yeah, don't be like me. Yeah, I never, <laughs> never, never, never crossed my mind. And don't be like me. That's a- <laughs> That will conclude this interview. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming on and talking with us. And once again, where can we find you on social media and all that good stuff? Yeah, you guys can find me. You guys can find me on uh, Colossal Mike Law on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Same thing across the board. Same thing with the barbell. You can catch it at 
uh, Barbie the real or the real Barbie the barbell <laughs> at um, you know over on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, I mean I, you can find my merchandise on Pro Wrestling T site. Just type in Colossal Mike Law. Same thing with Store Frontier site, which is Colossal Mike Law as well. And you can you know purchase. And, you know, obviously, listen, I appreciate every purchase that everyone makes, whether it's through me directly or through those websites. And all those links will be in the description of the interview below, but on YouTube and CastBox. You, you heard him talk for two hours. Give him a follow. <laughs> buy a damn short. Please, come on now. I'm proud. I mean, that, that lawsuit, was, the money's not coming in anytime soon. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week on uh, Wrestling with Entertainment Interviews we have Brayden Lee uh, the week after that we have uh, Armani Chaos the week after that uh, Mark Shaw and until then you can follow uh, you could like, subscribe, comment both on YouTube and CastBox catch us every Saturday on our preview and review so and uh, you can follow the show on Twitter as well at uh, Wrestling with E. You can follow us individually. Uh, I am at James J993. Where can they find Calico? You can find me counting down the days till another leap year, and I am Calico. <laughs> and where can they find Scooter? As always, you can find me under your bed or in your closet. That's a lovely <laughs> set of pajamas, by the way. And if you want to find me on social media, at ScooterJust on Twitter, and holding it down the UNB Network at UNBS Wrestling. For a very special guest, Mike Law, Coleco Yachts, Scooter Dust, I'm James J, and this has been Wrestling With Entertainment. <laughs>